Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the privilege that we have to be gathered together in your name. Lord, we thank you for all the things you've done in our lives so far and what you continue to do. I pray, Lord, you will speak to us through your word, by your spirit, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to share with you a message that I've entitled, Facing the Challenge. Facing the Challenge. Look your neighbor and tell them, face the challenge. I want you to turn to Matthew 24, verse 14. Before I share the word, uh, it's important for me to just remind us that throughout this year, we are having different services to commemorate our 21st year. I believe that our 21st year is significant for us because it ends one phase of our history and commences another phase of our history. And I believe that as we seek to work with the Holy Spirit, we will discover that our church will change dramatically. The complexion of our church in terms of how God moves us forward is going to change significantly in the next few years as we respond to what His Spirit is saying to us. So I am sharing this message in response to what I believe the challenge that we have is. Matthew 24 verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. I want to ask you a question. What kind of challenge are you currently facing in your life? What kind of challenge do you consider to be the issue of your life at present? Every one of us, whether we realize it or not, from certain time to time in our lives, we'll have to deal with obstacles or challenges that comes our way to either help us in the purposes of God or hinder us in what God wants to do. So right now, there is some kind of challenge in your life. But what I want to encourage you is not to allow your life to be governed by the enemy's agenda. You see, whether you like it or not, there are things that will come your way. There are good things and there are bad things. It's called life. The cycle of life is such that at times you will face things that you don't like and then you will face things that are quite helpful. But often what people don't realize is that there is God's agenda and there is the enemy's agenda for their life. And whatever challenge that comes your way, as far as God is concerned, it is designed to assist you in his purpose for your life. Every church, every individual, every ministry 
has a vision that God has for their life, has a mission or a reason why they exist. And they have a responsibility to discover what it is and to pursue it. If you don't discover your mission or why you exist and your vision, what you're supposed to do, if you don't discover it, you will end up living your life chasing or facing one crisis after another and never advancing in the purposes of God. So many Christians live their life simply based on instinct. They respond to problems and challenges that comes their way rather than living out of their mission and the vision of God for their life. So, the challenge facing you, uh, by the way, don't, don't jump ahead of me. You, you, when I say it, then you put it on, all right? So, you know, I mean, you've just, they just know what I'm going to say now. <laughs> the challenge facing you, or the challenge facing us, in our God-ordained mission and vision, is that we are willing to embrace it and fulfill it. See, I got you, I changed it. The challenge that is facing us today is that we are willing to embrace the reason why we exist and to fulfill it. When I gave my life to Jesus 32 years ago, I thought to be a Christian for two years was a very huge task. I thought to be a Christian for five years was awesome. And as for seven years, you were a giant. 32 years later, I realized how quickly the time has flown. And I wonder, in the economy of God and in the mind of God, what have I really achieved? What have I really done? I'm not bothered by what people have to say, what praises people give me, but I really am wondering, what in, in God's eyes, what have I really done? And so for the next 19 years of my life, as we go towards our 40th year, I want to work very hard. In 19 years' time, I wonder where some of you will be. I wonder what some of you will be doing. You may think it's very far away, but uh, our church is 21 years, and Kwame, we remember when we started. We remember how it was. We didn't know what we were doing. But 21 years has come and gone just like that. And what I want to challenge you is to face the challenge of your mission, the vision that God has for your life, and to embrace it and to run with it and to fulfill it. Because we are here for a reason, and our time is short. 1 Corinthians 7, 29 to 31 says this, But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. So if you're married, did you hear me? See how quiet it went? If you're married, just look at your wife and say to them, I'm supposed to behave as if you are, I don't, I'm not married to you. No, 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 come on, keep, keep looking here. Verse 30, those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. What is he saying? He is saying this, because of the times we are living in, you must redeem it. You must use it wisely. You must use it in such a way that your legitimate responsibilities and concerns does not hinder you from fulfilling the agenda of God for your life. Many times, 
people allow legitimate concerns to blind them to the assignment of God upon their life. I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about uncleanness. I'm not talking about turning away from God. I'm talking about legitimate concerns. Our family, our spouse, people going through trouble. He said, those who weep as though they did not weep. In other words, those who, have, who are burdened with something should not allow that burden to take them off focus about the time they're living in. He said, those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. In other words, those who are happy with life, don't get carried away with how good things are because the time is short. Those who buy as though they did not possess. In other words, don't allow your heart to be attached to anything that you consider of value. Those who use this world as not misusing. In other words, those of us who have the privilege to live, don't abuse the time that you have. Why? For the form or the system of this world is passing away. Beloved, we are living in very strange times. I was thinking to myself yesterday, when I first became a Christian, if somebody said to me that one day they will build a statue and they will put 666 on it and they will say, those who do not bow to that and honor the state and honor the system of this world and bow to that are going to be killed, I would have said, impossible in a modern, in a modern society. It's impossible. But now, with the technology that we have and the way the world is, it's very plausible. You just have to play computer games to see how much of the occult is seeped in computer games. You just have to watch a little bit of television to see how much of the occult is seeped in it. The world and, and the values of this world is changed. Ireland, which was a Christian country, very strong Catholic country, voted unanimously that men can marry men, women can marry women, and they were all rejoicing and celebrating on the streets, not realizing what a damnation it is to the society that we're living in. And this that I've said now, this that I've said now, some of you are nervous. Are you still here? We're living in very strange times, very perilous times. And we have to recognize that we have a short space of time to fulfill an agenda that God has for us. As I've been praying and as I've been waiting on the Lord. Sorry, let me just. I think my hairy chest is showing. As I've been praying, as I've been waiting on the Lord, I asked myself this question. Will the messages that I preach be relevant to my brothers in Syria? Will the, the way we do church be relevant to those facing the, 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 the menace of ISIS? Will what we are trying to do on this earth as a ministry have any significance to those who are going through serious tribulation? I believe it will. I believe it will. But the challenge that we have is not to be satisfied with what God has done and not to be satisfied with how we find things. I tell you, beloved, we can change the world. I said we can change the world. If we are willing to take this gospel as it really is, and we're willing to allow this gospel to inform our values, inform, inform our choices, inform how we live our lives. If we're willing to allow this gospel of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus to really inform us and how we live, we can make a significant difference. 
Our nation has changed the way it's changed because some people decided they didn't like the Judeo-Christian influence, the Judeo-Christian influence on the society. They didn't like it. And they had a strategy and they've worked really hard and they've changed our nation. But there is another generation that is rising up. I said there is a generation that is rising up. All over the earth, God is raising up his remnant. He's raising up his remnant. Those people who are willing to go all out for his kingdom and for his purposes. And I want to be one of them and I pray you want to be one of them as well. Hebrews 9.27 says, As it is appointed for man, for men once to die, to die once, but after this, the judgment. It is appointed for us to have one life and one life only. And how we use it must be strategic, must be purposeful, must be with vision because it is all we've got. It is all we've got. And if at the end of our lives we can say to God, well, I did my best. I may have I got it all right, but I did my best. I gave him my best shot. And he, he says over our lives, well done, good and faithful servant. That's, that's fantastic. When 30 years comes or 19 years comes or 20 years comes or 50 years comes from now, the last thing I want to be interested in is my bank account or what houses I have. The legacy I want to leave for my children, beloved, is not some money or some great possessions. Sorry, guys, it's not that. It's the legacy of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, a radical lifestyle, a lifestyle that is living completely reliant on the Lord Jesus Christ. Seriously, that's the kind of legacy I want to give to my children and my children's children. Houses and lands are good, but they will not save your soul. They are just tools. They are just tools. Beloved, the time is short. The days are evil. And we as God's people must be willing to face the challenge that God places ahead of us concerning this gospel of the kingdom. This gospel of the kingdom. You know, I am so convinced of this, that the vision that God has given to us as a church, which is to plant churches in every single nation of the world by reaching, preaching the gospel and discipling people, this vision that he's given to us, I am so convinced that when we give ourselves to it, it is the antidote, 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 is that how you say it? It is the solution to whatever challenge we face in life. It may say, you see, what? What are you talking about? I'm going through a marriage crisis and telling me about planting churches and discipling people. I tell you, beloved, it is the solution. When you embrace God's mandate, I'm not talking about CLS mandate, I'm talking about God's mandate for the nations, for your life, for the kingdom. When you embrace it, Everything else in your life will fall into place. Look at the Lord's Prayer. I've been teaching Greenwich the Lord's Prayer. And I was saying to them, the Lord's Prayer, the order of the Lord's Prayer is very deliberate. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. The order is very, very deliberate. First, we have relationship with him. We establish relationship. Then we establish reverence and honor to him. And that's the foundation out of which we are then to approach him. But the first priority he has on our hearts is his kingdom and his will before our needs. And when the priority of his kingdom is 
governing and informing our needs and our desires, then our life is in proper balance and in proper order. And we say something like this. Well, I'm doing the kingdom of God in my job. I'm doing the kingdom of God with my friends. Okay, let's take the job bit. You're doing the kingdom of God with your job. So does the money matter then? The money, the money that they pay you, does it matter then? Since you're doing the kingdom of God in your job, if they decide not to pay you, will you still go to work? I'm not hearing you now. You see, we say these things, but the reality is, often, what is informing us is not the kingdom, it's money. Are you going to shout me down now? No, you're not going to shout me down because you ain't going to say nothing, eh? It's like, come on, Joe, man, give us a break. We just come, it's supposed to be an anniversary. Why? Why I'm saying this, there is a cause. Say to your neighbor, there is a cause. David said to his brother, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for me to face Goliath? Mordecai said to Esther in Esther 4.14, if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews and from, or from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. For who knows if you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Beloved, we have come into the kingdom for this time. We have come for this time. And I want to challenge you, as we celebrate our 21st year this year, make this year a marker for your life. That your life is going to be different. You are going to do something significant. I pray that this community of believers will be different. I pray we will be different. We will not be chasing uh, big bank accounts or big houses. We will not be chasing that. We will be chasing helping the poor. We'll be chasing, making a difference in the lives of the ordinary people. We'll be changing, living, we'll be chasing, living sacrificial lives. We'll be changing, we'll be changing, we'll be, we'll be changing something. We'll be chasing, we'll be chasing, chasing outrageous, radical lifestyles for Jesus. We'll be chasing a, a, a lifestyle where the unbelievers will look at us and say, man, you are crazy to do what you're doing for God. How many of you are willing to go to jail for Jesus? Don't be too, you raise your hand before I finish the sentence, then your hands got stuck there. <laughs> I was talking to my dad about this whole thing about the gay marriage thing, and, 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 and he said to me, because I said to him, in all seriousness, if they put a mic on my mouth in front of the whole nation and they ask me a point-blank question, what do I think of homosexuality? So that we're clear, I will answer them an honest answer. I think it's a perversion. You say, Joe, that's not wise. Really? They ask me, what do I think? And I told them what I think. If they ask me a question, are you telling me that anybody practicing homosexuality will go to hell? I'll say, of course they will. At that point, I thought, my dad, you know, he said, you have to be careful. You have to be wise. I said, I'm willing to go to jail for this. I'm willing. 
I'm willing to lose church members for this one. I'm willing to lose influential people for this one. Because I want to identify with Jesus. He said, you have to think of your children. I said, yes, I have to think of my children. And I know it will hurt my children for me to go to jail, but I'll go to jail for this one. If it means we can't hire any halls, so be it. Are you still here? Or have you gone home? Our mission as a church is to make disciples. That's why we exist. You know, we say being a Christ-centered church, but really it is to make disciples. Now, not everybody's going to plant a church, but everyone can make a disciple. How many of you are disciples? Yeah, you look nervous with that question. How many of you want to be disciples? How many of you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Wow, you're not so sure. How many don't want to be a disciple? How many of you want to be churchgoers? How many of you enjoy, okay, hold on. How many of you enjoy coming to church? How many of you like coming to church? Wave if you enjoy coming to church. <laughs> How many of you just want to keep coming to church? <laughs> Not after the way you've been talking, no. But this, this mission of making disciples means it's going to cost us a lot. It's going to make things awkward for us. It's going to cause us to sacrifice. It's going to cause us to stay up late. It's going to cause us to fast, to pray. It's going to cause us to travel, travel a lot. You see, when I was in um, Sierra Leone, I felt the Spirit was really speaking to me and challenging me that it's now time. It's now time, Joe, for you to embrace the apostolic. And what that means is not some fancy briefcase and nice big house. It means this. To go anywhere I send you for however long it takes. Sometimes it will take one week. Sometimes it may take one month. Sometimes it may take three months. Sometimes it may take one year. You have to be willing to say yes. Because... This is the time we're living in. He said, I felt the Spirit saying, you have lived this way, I've permitted you, but now it's a new day for you. So when we're talking about sacrifice and we're talking about facing the challenge, for me, I know the kind of challenge. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. What I may have to do doesn't mean you have to do it. But you, there is a challenge. There is a challenge. And I believe God is looking for men and women. He said the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. And I pray he will find you. Can you say amen? All right, because of time, I want to touch on a few things. Three key areas of challenge for us. Three key areas of challenge for us. If we wish to fulfill God's mandate, three key areas of challenge. Number one, the challenge of unity of spirit. The challenge of unity of spirit. You see, if we are going to fulfill the vision that God has for us and pursue our mission, our reason of existence, then as a church, we need to be in unity. There is no way we will be able to do much if we are not united. 
There is no way. Look at these guys who are willing to blow themselves up. They are willing to blow themselves up. And they are deceived. We know they are deceived. Once they blow themselves up, they realize they have been deceived. But it's too late. They're willing to put bombs on them and, and, and do all kinds of things. Now, God is not calling us to that. That is madness. But are you willing to give yourself to the work of God and not get any benefits? One of our ladies came to me the other day and they said to me, I have found a hall. I have found a hall. And they're starting a church. And they want to start this church and then hand it over to me when it's grown. And they've paid for the hall. Oh, hallelujah. I said, go for it. You are doing well. None of the elders know about this. I'm the only one who knows. He said, go for it. You are doing well. Because they have a burden. And the reason why they're doing it is because God spoke to them in a dream. To go out and win souls. The Lord showed them, souls are coming, souls are coming. So on their own back, they decide to just do this. Whether they, they plant a church or, of a hundred or whatever, it's not the issue. They are seeking to be obedient to what God is saying. If I tell some of these young men, brother, it's time for you to go here. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I need to pray. I need to fast. I need to talk to my wife. I need to do, I need to this, I need to that, I need to that. If I tell some of these older women, I would like you to do, yes, pastor. Are you still here? Unity of spirit. Ephesians 4, 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Why do you have to do that? Why do you have to endeavor? Because it's very easy to break ranks. It's very easy. And beloved, when a church or a people are united, there is nothing that can stop it. When husband and wife are united, have the same mind concerning their children, no devil can attack those children. The enemy may try, but he will not have penetration. So what the enemy will do is he will look for the weak link in that relationship and attack. When the enemy wants to attack a church, he will look for a weak link in the leadership and attack. He will look for a weak link amongst the leaders and attack. He will look for a weak link among the members and attack. Because he knows if he can cause them to break ranks, it will affect the church. Look, a people can be united around, around the wrong thing and they will still succeed. Look at Genesis 11, verse 1. It says, now the whole earth had one language and one speech. The whole earth had one language and one speech. Verse 5, but the Lord came down to see the city and tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Because they were united. God told them, spread across the earth, they said, no, we're going to build a tower that reaches heaven. And so, because they spoke the same language, had the same mindset, they were able to begin it. Josephus says, when you saw the Tower of Babel, from about miles away, it was as if you could touch it. That's how huge it was. God himself had to come down 
and confuse their language. In other words, cause them not to say the same things. Not to say the same things. Not to understand what each other was saying. Sometimes my challenge is getting people to understand what I'm saying. Because you say one thing, and people say, no, you meant this. And sometimes somebody says one thing, and I think they said something else. And that's how the enemy will attack. Unity. The challenge of unity. And I'm telling you this, beloved. If we as a people can unite around our mission, which is to make disciples, and our vision, which is to plant and establish churches in every single nation of this world and in every single borough and district in this United Kingdom, if we, this small group here, if we can unite around that, we will do it. I said we will do it. I said we will do it. We will do it. Our children will do it. Our children's children will do it before the Lord returns. We'll do it. But you know something? I'm not naive to think that everybody's going to be on board. But my prayer is that everybody will be on board. Yeah, your amen is very encouraging, as Pastor John says. There is a need for members of our church here in CLF to unite behind the Great Commission. There's a need for the leaders to unite behind the Great Commission. To unite behind and say, you know what? What can we do? Husband and wives, in their prayer, say, come on, what can we do? What can we do? Where is the need? Where is the need? Once I was, I was just, in one of the visions the Lord spoke to me, I was shocked. I didn't even know this place was a country. I saw, I saw, I don't know if I've told her this, but I saw my wife Aisha go to a country called Liechtenstein, preaching. She was preaching from different places. And one of the places she ended up in preaching was Liechtenstein. I didn't even know it was a country. So I thought, let me just check to see if this country exists. And it is a country. Apparently, it's a, it's a very commercial country. So Aisha will be going to a commercial country. Very, there's a lot of money going on in Liechtenstein. I think it's somewhere in Europe, is it? Hey, you know it, hey? I saw, I, I've seen nations. Like, so when like, um, um, Steve was prophesying on Friday, and the nations was mentioned. These are nations the Lord has been speaking to me about for years. Nations. I look in my spirit, and there's about 20 nations we are supposed to be touching now. 20, and we only touch four. 20. Some in Europe, you're talking about Nigeria, where is he? And I've got you. You. Mouth, 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 you. Talking about Nigeria. Big man like you. Why aren't we in Nigeria? What kind of stupid question? Yeah, I said it. Stupid question is that. Why do you think we're not in Nigeria? Because you're still sitting there. Well, you want me to go to Nigeria? I mean, seriously. You want me to go? When Aisha was Pregnant with Caris, we were in Sierra Leone. Are you still here? We ain't done yet. I said, I'll have you. We were, we were going to Canada. In fact, one mission, I couldn't go because she was just about to give birth. So don't bring yourself into me in Nigeria. Listen to me. The Spirit of God said to me last year, Young man, it's time to focus in 
Nigeria, and the U.S. I, I was like, okay, amen, yes. So I actually began to try to physically go, and I couldn't. So who wants to go to Nigeria? You had a lot of noise earlier on, you Nigerians. You Nigerians, you were making a lot of noise earlier on. I asked the question, so who wants to go to Nigeria? Peter right now is going to Kenya. He's going to Kenya. And we need to pray over him as a church. We prayed on, on, on Friday. But he's going to Kenya with the team. Where is the team? Can they stand quickly? Who are those going to Kenya? Quickly stand. How many of you are from Kenya? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Whoa. How many of you are from, if you're from Kenya, remain standing? If you're from Kenya, remain standing. Right, where's Dennis? Dennis was one of the scouts. Dennis, stand. Give him a hand. He was one of the scouts. God bless you, Dennis. He went to Kenya with Pete to scout. And I think later on he'll be going there as part of the advanced team after the church is established. But these guys are going to plant. Simply because the Lord spoke. Who did we know in Kenya? Nobody. Apart from Dennis. And a few others, David and different ones. What am I saying is this, is that when you begin to respond to what God is laying on your heart, he will open the door. In all the nations we went, including Ghana, we didn't have one soul that we had saved and said, we're going there. We had to go and plow the ground. Unity of spirit. Secondly, available laborers is a challenge to fulfill this vision. Luke 10, 12, Luke 10 verse 2. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is the only prayer request of our Lord Jesus. The prayer request for laborers. Available people. Available people. My first mission was in 1990. In 1990, I responded to a plea my pastor made. He said, we need someone to go and help a new church starting in Malaysia. Um, you know, we can't pay you, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and so I thought, well, you know what? I'm not doing anything at the moment. Let me go. That mission changed my life forever. It changed me forever. During that mission, I prayed through for my wife. I prayed through for my wife. I prayed through for CLF. I prayed through concerning my life. During that mission, I understood many things. It was a very challenging time, very difficult time. But it changed my life. God never told me, go. You see, let me, let me say something about this thing where, you know, God has to force people to do the obvious. If you have your Bibles, are you still here? Let me digress. If you have your Bible, I've got another 25 minutes, so don't worry. <laughs> this, is, this is senior pastor's privilege. 
How, how often do we, do we meet? Eh? So, Acts chapter 16. I want to show you something. Turn to verse 6. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Because many times, we don't realize we already have a mandate to go. We think God, change that counter, please. Give me another 20 minutes. This is, this is you know. We think God has to force us to do something. But we never learned that from the apostles. Let's read from verse 6 of Acts 16. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, we fasted, we prayed, we sought God to plead with him what we should do. No, that's not what it says. After he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, what I want you to notice is this is the Apostle Paul with his apostolic team. They're going to preach places, in places, and their spirit says, don't preach here. So they try another one, don't preach here. They try another one, don't preach here. What's the point? The point is, as spiritual as they were, God never told them to preach in most of the places they went. So they needed God to tell them, don't preach there for them not to go. You know what we do? We need God to command us, go there, before we even decide, maybe I should go. And then not only that, he has this dream. Come over and help us. And they said, you know what we would do? Oh, I had this dream. Come over and help us. What does it mean? We need to pray. We need to pray. I'm sensing that the Lord might be telling me. I need a confirmation. I need two or three confirmations. He said they concluded that the Lord was telling them to go and preach. You know what we would say? I'm not feeling at peace right now. Is it any wonder we don't see the power? Is it any wonder we don't see? Because we have all these reasons why we can't be available. We have all these reasons. I tell you, beloved, on the last day, we're going to get a big shock. I've, I've already concluded I'm going to get a big shock. I am not impressed with anything I've done so far. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not impressed at all. I'm not saying to be humble. I am actually not impressed. I'm grateful, but I'm not impressed. For one soul that comes in, fantastic, but I'm not impressed. Because I think for what God has shown me, I should have done far more. You have men like Kwame Dompre, men like Philip Ankara. These are giants. Men like Steve Mante. These are awesome men. We should be able to do far more. Oh, you didn't say amen. I mean, these are giants. These are men who can handle ministries like this on their own. So I blame myself. I think it's time. We, 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 the time is short. Say to your neighbor, the time is short. Are you still here with me? Available laborers. Isaiah 6, 8. He says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? 
and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send my brother. This is the kind of thing we do. Oh, we need someone to go to Nigeria. Who will go to Nigeria? Oh, Lord, send someone to Nigeria. It's time we have a church in Nigeria. It's time we have a church in Nigeria. Oh, God, send them in Nigeria. <laughs> you think you're getting away. It's not only him. It's all you Nigerians that were making noise. I am, I am with you. Next time, I don't think anybody will be too quick to say, why haven't we preached a church in the West Indies? Why haven't we planted a church in the West Indies? Sorry. Available laborers. Here am I, send me. That's what he said. Here am I, send me. Say, here am I, Lord. He sounds so encouraged. Say, here am I, Lord. Send me. There is such a need for laborers. Available, willing, sacrificial, empowered people. I said to Michael and Michelle in Ghana, I said to them, why do you think God brought you here? I said, let me tell you why. It's to make disciples. That's why he brought you here. Well, you think it's so that you have a better life? No. Wherever God sends us, it's because of the Great Commission. Whether we believe it, whether we agree with it, that is it. Listen, on the last day, you say, Joe, you were right. You say, Joseph, you were right. Everything we are supposed to do on this earth as born-again believers is ensuring the kingdom advances and people come to a saving knowledge and are following our Lord Jesus Christ because we are following him. It's to make disciples of Jesus. And I tell you, in CLF, I am going to keep hampering the same scripture. The same scriptures to the elders, to the leaders, to the members, to the cell, my cell group. I have a cell. You can't join my cell unless you are willing to be a cell leader. If you don't want to be a cell, find another cell. There are many cells. This cell is for those who want to be cell leaders. And so my, my guys, they know. My, my champions, my young champions, they know. When we gather, I say, how's your cell going? Report. Yeah. I said, my friend, no, 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 no. Come on. Yeah. Why? Because my cell, at the time I have, my cell meets every two weeks. And sometimes for six weeks, I haven't met my cell members. They're supposed to meet. Because I'm very busy. But that is my part, my little portion I'm doing. I tell you, you can make a difference. I said you can make a difference. I said you can make a difference. I hope Bishop doesn't mind me saying this. I was saying to him, I mean, one of the things that Pastor John has brought into CLF is the issue of mentoring. And I think it has really helped our church. And I was saying to him, Kwame, you see kingdom ambassadors. In my view, all the people you've been discipling, release all of them and take a whole bunch of new people. The Malachi's and the, who are the other ones? The Keturahs and the young ones. 
Take about 20 of them. Even if you invested half the time and energy you, you've invested in the, the previous generation, within five years, those guys. Beloved, we must think generationally. We must make ourselves available for the work at hand. Thousands are going to hell. Millions are going to hell. And God says, our Lord Jesus says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send our laborers. In the parable of the sower, in Mark 4, you discover something. In Matthew 13, you discover something. There is only a 25% chance of success whenever the word is being preached. That means the majority of people hearing my message today is not even going to have any impact in their life. May you be one of the 25%. And then the third challenge is the challenge of finance. Tell, tell your neighbor, he's talking about money now, money. Yeah. Because the gospel goes on anointing and money. Now, here's what believers like to say. The wealth of the wicked. The wealth of the wicked. We're waiting for the wealth of the wicked to come. Why should God give somebody else's money to you when you're not even willing to give him your own money? Are you still here? Everyone has a role to play. Steve was sharing a prophetic word on Friday, and one of the words was about prosperity that was coming to members of our church. And then he pointed out something in the spirit and said, it is to those who have been faithful tithers. Faithful tithers. Now, if you know my teaching on tithing, you will know this, that I believe tithing is a kingdom privilege. I don't believe tithing is a legalistic law. I believe it's a privilege. But when you tithe, you access certain privileges that enables God's blessings upon your life. The tithe is the only type of giving God asks us to prove him with. Ephesians 4.16 teaches us that as every part does its share, it causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. When we all do our share, the body will grow up healthily. It's not you giving 10,000 or 10. It's you willing to worship God with your money. And you willing to support the work of God with your money. There are some amazing people in this church who give above and beyond. And some amazing people, honestly. Some people in this church, they give 20%, 15% of their income. A lot of people give 10%. That is fantastic. But I tell you this. If everybody did what they're supposed to do, this church will have no lack financially. And this is not the church that holds the money. This is not the church that uses the money on itself. We give a lot of money out. And I'm saying to you that it is time for you and I, all of us, to train our children to honor God with their money. Not just the adults. The other day I challenged one of my children about how they give. Not just the adults. We challenge all our children because that's the generation coming. Deuteronomy 8.18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, or it is he who gives you the ability to create wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. 
God empowers us to create wealth because of covenant. But often we create wealth because of ourselves. We create wealth because of selfish reasons. But I pray that in this church, we'll create wealth because of covenant. God empowers us for his glory. He empowers us to prosper for his glory. He empowers us to prosper for our families, yes. He empowers us to prosper for his house. And he empowers us to prosper for his servants. And all of these are very important if we are to fulfill our vision. It is very important. I'm going to conclude with this. Identify God's burden for your life. If you're going to face the challenge that God has for your life, what God wants for your life, then you must identify his burden for your life. And you must identify that burden through the lens of the Great Commission to go and make disciples. Through the lens of the Great Commission. Whatever burden God puts on your heart, beloved, it is not an end in itself. It's for the purpose of the Great Commission. I'm telling you. If you go and study, you'll see. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says this. I have seen the God-given task which the sons of men are to be occupied with. The God-given task. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. What is he saying? Everyone has a God-ordained task. Everyone. And when they embrace that God-ordained task, it makes their life beautiful. It makes their life beautiful. And it allows them to be in the right timings of God. As a single young man, I was desperate to get married. Did you hear me? I was desperate. Desperate. I'm not going to even start. I was desperate. Some of my friends wondered whether I would ever get married. And then I had a prophetic word. You find your wife when you're on the mission field. It was a lady who gave it, so I had to be polite. When I'm on the mission field, that's when I'll find my wife. Seriously? I mean, that's like when I'm like in uh, Siberia or something, isn't it? Deepest jungles of Africa. That's what I was thinking. But I said, amen. I didn't know that the mission field was uh, Battersea and Charlton. Whatever you give yourself to, when you give yourself to God's task, you give yourself wholly to God's task. The things that you need to fulfill your life purpose will come your way. Everyone has a God-given burden. You must identify it. And how does your burden fit into God's purposes? How would you know? Number one, God will place a burden on your heart for his kingdom. Who place a burden on your heart for his kingdom. There will be something in your heart that will want to see Jesus Christ being Lord in the lives of people. Matthew 6.10, the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's supposed to be a daily priority. Secondly, God will place a burden on your heart for his house. This is how you face the challenge. Many people underestimate and ignore 
how important God's house is for their own life. I encourage you to study the book of Haggai, especially Haggai chapter 1. Study that book. You hear me time and time again referring to it. But I want to read verses 9 to 11 to you. He says this. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house. That is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I call for a drought on the land, and the mountains, on the grain, and the new wine, and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. You've heard me say this many times, but I'll repeat it. God deliberately stopped his people from prospering because they neglected his house. It's a kingdom principle, beloved. It hasn't changed. Having passed it for many years, I see it happening in many people's lives. They won't have it if you tell them. They won't have it. So you just watch it happen. Those people who I have seen make great gains have been people who have learned to prioritize the kingdom. When I say great gains, they've made gains that has enriched their life and not diminished them spiritually. God says, you really looked for much, but you brought in little. And even the thing you brought in, when you brought it, I, God said, I blew it away. Not the devil. God said, I was the one doing it because you've neglected my house. It's a principle. When you prioritize God's house, he prioritizes yours. Now, because you are his, his legit child, his legitimate child, he disciplines you that way. That's why he does it, because you are his child. So he will deal with you that way. It's a kingdom principle. You're looking at me very happy right now. He said, I literally held the heavens away from you. I stopped heaven from blessing you. I caused a drought. I caused these things, not the devil. You want your breakthrough? Prioritize his house. Say to your neighbor, prioritize his house. Yeah. And finally, God will place a burden on your life, a place a burden on you for your life, a burden on you for your life, what he wants you to do with your life. Some of us are chasing vanity. The things we are chasing are not good for us. We're chasing things that doesn't actually help us. I tell you, find God's burden for your life. Because it is there that will cause you to face every challenge that comes your way. Don't chase money. Don't chase fame. Don't chase lands. Don't chase the accolades of men. Chase the burden God places on your heart. Amen. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to make an article. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. The first area I want to pray into is the area of unity of spirit. I do not want you to come to the front, and if you are in the overflow, I want you to listen carefully. <coughs> I want to pray for those of us who know in our spirits we have not cooperated with God and we have not cooperated with his agenda for 
his kingdom, and for his house. In fact, we recognize that we have not been in unity of spirit. In our context, or whatever that context is, we have not been in unity of spirit. We know that. Maybe in our words, we've been murmuring. Maybe, maybe we have had a bad attitude. But today, as you've been hearing the word, the Spirit of God has spoken to you. And you are saying from today, I make a decision before God to be in unity with Him for His vision, His mission, His kingdom, and for this house. And whatever you've called me to do in this house and for your kingdom, I say yes. If that is you, I want you to stand where you are because I'm going to pray with you. As you stand, I want you to raise your two hands to the Lord. In the overflow, the same to you. Just stand where you are. And as you stand and raise your two hands to the Lord, I want you to voice to the Lord why you are standing. Just tell him, Lord, this is the reason why I'm standing. This is the issues in my life. This is the thing. Just tell him. Close your eyes and just talk to the Lord. <laughs> 